This is the Chamber Chat Podcast, the show dedicated to chamber professionals to spark ideas and to get actionable tips and strategies to better serve your members and community. Hello, Chamber Champions. Welcome to Chamber Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Burton, and it's my goal here on the podcast to introduce you to people and ideas to better help you serve your chamber members and your community. Our title sponsor is Community Matters, Inc. With nearly 20 years in the chamber industry and over 100 media awards presented to their chamber partners, Community Matters provides the R&R that every chamber needs, revenue and recognition. When it comes to publishing a chamber map, directory, or community guide, Community Matters has a trusted experience to help your chamber accomplish your goals. With different advertising sales models and publication styles, Community Matters will help you create a non-dues revenue machine. Let's hear from Becky Womble, President and CEO of the Bastrop Chamber, to hear about her experience using Community Matters. I've been using Community Matters for probably six or seven years now. And um, in a previous life, I sold commercial printing, so I can highly recommend Community Matters because it's a complete turnkey job for any busy chamber exec. Um, Basically, you give them a membership list, and from there, they contact your members, and it's no high-pressure sales or anything, and it really is a complete turnkey job from start to finish. And it's a wonderful, beautiful printed product whenever you're finished. And I just, I'm very sold on Community Matters. And with a printing background, I just, big endorsement for me. To learn how Community Matters can support your chamber with your next publication, please visit communitymattersinc.com slash podcast to request your free media kit and request a proposal to find out what kind of non-dues revenue you can generate. Our guest for this episode is Ryan Evans. Ryan joined the Chamber for Innovation and Clean Energy in March 2019 and serves as the Executive Director. Prior to being named Executive Director, Ryan was a member of CICE's National Advisory Board for six years. Previously, Ryan served as President of the Utah Solar Energy Association for three years, which is a trade association he co-founded, was an executive for 13 years with the Salt Lake Chamber, which is one of the largest chambers of commerce in the country, and served as the Executive Administrator for the Utah State Chamber of Commerce. Ryan is a recognized leader and regional speaker, both locally and nationally, on renewable energy policy and economic impacts of air quality, community engagement, and relationship building. Ryan is an IOM IOM graduate and now serves on the U.S. Chamber's National Board of Trustees. Ryan attended the University of Vermont and graduated with a bachelor's degree in psychology from the University of Utah. Ryan, I'm excited to have you with us today here on Chamber Chat Podcast. Love to give you an opportunity to say hello to all the Chamber Champions out there listening and share something interesting about yourself so we can all get to know you a little better. Thank you, Brandon. Appreciate the opportunity to be on uh, the Chamber Chat Podcast. Um, Listen to you a bunch of times, and this is great to actually be able to speak with you and um, speak with the Chamber Champions uh, listening in today. Uh, something fun for me, I guess, uh, in terms of interest for me, I've been in the chamber and association industry for uh, just over 20 years now. Uh, it's kind of crazy how that journey started. Uh, I was an entrepreneur um, prior to being in the chamber industry. I, I owned my own restaurant. I was a trained chef at one point. When, that, when I left that partnership, as uh, a lot of restaurants don't you know, have the tendency to fail, I was one of those, uh, one of those cases, uh, started looking for a job that would maybe help given or maybe work given my managerial background, but not something that actually 
Uh, I didn't want to start from scratch again. So I started looking for sales positions, knowing that at least that way, if I worked hard, I could make money. And sure enough, the Salt Lake Chamber was hiring at the time. Uh, and little did I know that that would lead to a 20 year career after starting there, making $13,000 an hour plus uh, or $13,000. Wow. They, are they I still know, hiring? Let me sign up. <laughs> 13000 a year plus commissions. And I made it work pretty good. But yeah, 13000 an hour would be one heck of an opportunity. That's right. <laughs> yeah, so and then that that all steamrolled into you know getting into clean energy and eventually uh, this role here where I get to meld both the clean energy world and the chamber history that I have and it's a great relationship. So it's been great. Absolutely, it's like your background has been perfect for this union to to bring into the the chambers for innovation of clean energy. Very much so. Uh, speaking of that, tell us a little bit about the the chambers of the chambers for innovation of clean energy. Uh, just kind of the size, the scope of work, staff. Just give us some perspective of where you're coming from with the organization to kind of set the stage for our discussion today. Absolutely, thank you. So, chambers for innovation and clean energy, as we affectionately like to call it, CICE, as you alluded to, Brandon. Um, we are a national network of about 1,300 chambers and economic development associations across the country. Um, doesn't mean we work with every single one of those every single year, uh, but those are the groups that we stay in touch with quite a bit that we work with. Um, our whole role is to help advance the clean energy economy. Uh, at Chambers for Innovation and Clean Energy, we're not an environmental group. We're not anti-anything. We are strictly clean energy experts. Um, and help to or look to educate chambers on how they can capitalize on this growing segment of our economy, um, how they can be better involved in promoting good clean energy policy, how they can what what they need to know to better understand the technology that exists, and how to get past a lot of the misinformation that's out there, whether pro or negative regarding clean energy. Uh, we do a lot of uh, best practice sharing of what chambers are doing across the country. Uh, and then we'll get in and we'll even advise chambers on particular public policy issues at the state or local level that they may be experiencing um, firsthand. Uh, so again, we, you know, our whole role is to work with chambers and we do that for free. We have funding in place that allows us to work with any chamber anywhere. Uh, typically I mentioned 1300, but typically we work with, we, we try to work in about seven or eight priority states at one time, meaning states where we spend a little extra time given that they've got more opportunity for clean energy or more challenges being presented for clean energy. And so we sort of rotate that out on, uh, on any given year. But uh, as of right now, the, the states where we spend most of our time are Ohio, North Carolina, Florida, Arizona, Colorado, um, South Carolina, Virginia, and, um, and some work in the Northeast as well. All right. Well, that uh, definitely helps give some perspective as to the kind of work you're involved with and the, the approach you take with some of the, these chambers, the 1,300 chambers that you work with. Um, as we focus our discussion today, um, <laughs> I'm kind of halfway joking, but when I say, you know, we're going to talk about clean energy and chambers, even if they don't think that it matters or it's something that they care about at the moment. Well, <laughs> we're going to talk okay. about why it does matter and how your local chamber can get involved, why you should be involved, what opportunities are out there. And we'll dive into this discussion much deeper as soon as we get back from this quick break. Are you looking for a year-round affordable and timely shop local campaign for your chamber or CVB? Look no further. Build a custom Eat Shop Play mobile app 
with App My Community by visiting appmycommunity.com slash chamberchat. App My Community mobile apps are not just simple membership directory listings. They provide many more capabilities to engage with your community. Provide your residents with a robust events calendar. Partner with a local fair, festival, or farmer's market to provide a schedule, map, and other resources to promote the event. Run a small business Saturday campaign any time of the year using built-in scavenger hunts. Allow your membership to communicate directly to their customers via push notifications. Your App My Community mobile app will be a unique member benefit, allow you to generate non-dues revenue with sponsorship opportunities, and best of all, provide a valuable resource to your community. Please visit appmycommunity.com slash chamberchat now to receive 10% off your first year of an App My Community mobile app. Are you looking for a way to grow and manage your Chamber of Commerce more effectively? Look no further than Chamber Nation. Their innovative software provides everything you need to streamline operations, engage members, and increase revenue. With features like event management, membership directories, advanced membership tools, mobile apps, community kiosks, and financial reporting, Chamber Nation makes it easy to run your chamber like a well-oiled machine. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your chamber to the next level. Visit richardscalendar.com to learn more about Chamber Nation today. Hi everyone, Donna from Yifty here with another fun fact about small businesses. Did you know that there are 77 million people working in small businesses in the U.S.? That's almost half of the entire civilian workforce. But I know that you already know the value of local businesses. That is why we created Community Cards. They bring revenue to your members' businesses that today is leaving your community and going to national brands and e-commerce companies. In addition to consumers, we see schools, hospitals, city governments, and companies buying community cards in bulk instead of buying big box store and online gift cards. Community cards keep local dollars local. For more info, come to a demo or email us at sales at yifty.com. We look forward to meeting you. Back to you, Brandon. All right, Ryan, we're back. So as I alluded to before the break, uh, today we're diving into how chambers can get involved with, with clean energy, why they should care. Maybe that's a good starting point as far as why chambers should care about focusing on clean energy. And, and you mentioned a couple items you know, before the break as to um, you know, the economic impact and things like that. But talk to us a little bit about why chambers should have clean energy on their radar and be you know, intentional about trying to, to promote clean energy in their communities. Sure. Uh, thank you. You know, honestly, this conversation would have been pretty different five years ago. Um, but now I think there's no doubt that anybody, you know, nobody has a doubt that we are um, in the midst of an energy transformation in the United States of America and across the, across the globe, really. Um, we are, uh, over the last several years, uh, clean energy between solar and wind have been responsible for more than 90% of new electric generation um, built across the country. So in other words, we still have a lot of our electricity uh, coming from uh, natural gas, which is the number one on the fossil fuel side. And again, we're not anti anything. We're all of the above. We just truly know that the clean energy economics um, will 
win out in the end as natural gas started to actually uh, overtake coal many years ago when coal was the workhorse for electricity. Um, then it became natural gas and it still is natural gas, but now it's really starting to shift towards more renewable energy sources. So that's sort of number one is that we're looking at the future of America being very much powered whether it's 100% like some people think, or at least very high into the 80s and 90% by some sort of cleaner energy than we have now. Um, so that's a significant number one. Number two, um, your members care about their utility bills. Uh, that's one of the highest costs of doing business in any state. So what does your electricity and heating bills look like? And where is that source of that pain point coming from? In most states, that's still natural gas. And for a long time, natural gas was a great lower cost option for communities. Um, now, however, we've seen, especially over the last two years, the fluctuation um, within the volatility of natural gas pricing. Uh, so a lot of corporations are really being attracted to the fact that solar and wind are now the cheapest form of electricity you can get. And when you enter into a contract for these corporations that again are members of chambers all over the country, uh, they're locking into those price points that they sign these contracts for, for anywhere from 20 to 35 years. So there is absolute predictability in their electrical costs going forward, at least for that segment that they're getting from clean energy. Um, the other factor that I'll mention is it just brings it back to home. Wherever you are, there are clean energy jobs being created on a regular basis. There are more people in, uh, employed in the solar industry alone than all of fossil fuel industries combined. That's just solar, that's not wind, that's not electric vehicles, that's not batteries and energy storage um, and energy efficiency. Uh, so uh, clean energy is a job creator like no other. Um, and then it brings home capital investment, it brings home uh, economic opportunities and tax revenues for communities. So there are lots of reasons why chambers should engage or at least be interested and at the very least, be willing to provide good information to their communities because there's just a, there's a lot to it and a lot of voices get heard. And I think it's given the amount of opportunity and challenges there are, it's just important to at least be a good provider of information for your members and your community as a whole. Right. So it's been a couple of years ago now, but our uh, electric provider, I'm in Texas and our electric provider, we're part of a co-op and each year they do a brisket dinner, you know, so we can go and as a, a member of the co-op, they provide the brisket dinner. They, you know, do a little dog and pony show about the work they're doing. And at this particular dinner I was at, they, they put up on the slideshow, this solar farm that they had. And I'm like, wait, that's like, right around the corner from my house. And I had no idea that the solar farm was there. And sure enough, I'm pulling up the Google satellite images and it's, you know, probably a mile from my house and had no idea. But if it was a natural gas plant or something else, like other things would definitely stand out and you would notice. But um, just that the clean energy can make such an impact in a community without being, you know, super noticeable. But Absolutely. so I think that our electric co-op did a good job of, you know, explaining that. But as far as a chamber goes, you said, you know, most importantly, even if it's just sharing, you know, accurate, good information with their community, with their members, um, obviously we can point them to you, to your organization to, to get some of that, that good information to share. But um, 
as a chamber looks to get involved and say, yeah, this is important that we create jobs in clean energy because that's where the future is going. Or it's important for us to help lower those utility rates for our member businesses and for just our community in general to be able to thrive more and have more discretionary income. Um, all these different points that you touched on, the job creation, if a chamber wanted to get involved, where do they start with being able to try to move the ball, try to move the needle, so to speak, in their community? There's, uh, there's quite a few places you can um, start. And actually, I want to jump back really quick, if it's okay, Brandon, and just yeah. comment on Texas, just because you brought up Texas. And you brought up two things that I'm pretty passionate about. One is, um, <clears throat> realistically, most solar installations, you don't notice. So you're absolutely right. There's a lot of misinformation that they're obstructive, that they're an eyesore. But yet, most times, people have no idea that they're within a mile or two of their home because they have that low profile and you can put up trees around them. You can put up shrubs and bushes around them. Um, so I, I appreciate and love the fact that you didn't even notice um, that it was necessarily. Um, but then also just on Texas really quick, uh, it's Texas is one of my favorite stories to tell because even though um, they have been traditionally one of the, the number one oil and gas state in the country and they are known as an oil and gas state in Houston, in particular huge oil and gas market, right? Um, yet, Texas is the number two state in the nation for most solar uh, installations uh, in terms of size of those installations combined. And number one, as far as wind, um, this is a state that truly embraces the all of the above energy form, you know, mentality in a, an incredible way. Uh, and, you know, chambers like the Greater Houston Partnership, for example, are all in on this all of the above factor and, and even looking at new technologies like carbon capture and all these other great things that we see out there. Um, so I just want to throw my, you know, throw a shout out for Texas, just in terms of, you know, that typical state that has learned that they don't have to just be dependent on that fossil fuel economy, that there is this huge other opportunity out there for the state and for electrical uh, ratepayers and whatnot. Yeah. Um, yeah, I will say, if you ever drive between Abilene and San Angelo, you will see the wind farms. <laughs> as far as your eye can see, you will see windmills. So yeah, there's a lot of places around the country that are like that where you see them. But in a lot of cases, there's really not much else there. So they may right. as well produce energy, right? Right. Um, and you know, as far as how you get involved, there's lots of ways. Number one, um, I guarantee that almost every single chamber in the country has some sort of clean energy industry company within their membership. It may not be a solar installer. It may not be a manufacturer of solar or wind turbine um, parts, but it might be somebody who supplies workforce to that. It might be a company that is a fencing company that puts up temporary fencing around renewable energy uh, installations as they're going up. So there's it's incredible the supply chain that exists out into the clean energy world. So one, look at your own membership and see who's there and see what the important issues are. Two, um, talk to your utility. Um, I, I always recommend you, you know, work with your utility on clean energy because ultimately they're gonna be the one that does a lot of it outside of the private companies that develop. But don't also take the utility's word for it completely. Ask questions, look for what might be the best opportunities for your entire region and start a business coalition for, you know, that looks at sustainability and clean energy. Um, by starting a committee like that, it's amazing what you'll learn from your members in terms of what they're doing to either procure clean energy on their own or through the utility, what they're doing internally to um, uh, improve their emissions outcomes so they're more sustainable 
Uh, it's it's pretty impressive to see what businesses do. And it's it, one great thing chambers can do is promote what their businesses are doing on a proactive basis as well. That's, that's just a great thing. Um, another thing that you can do if you want to get involved is reach out to us. Of course, I'm not going to give a sales pitch there, but that's what we do. If there's, you know, we're happy to chat with any chamber anywhere all the time uh, just to say, hey, here's the hot spots that we see. Maybe this is a chance for you to engage. And lastly, look in your state for some sort of a uh, state level clean energy or solar industry uh, association. So prior to, as you mentioned in the, my introduction, I was the president uh, and founder of the Utah Solar Industry Association. We worked with chambers all across the state um, trying to help educate them on uh, solar policy and clean energy policy and how they could help protect the jobs that you know, were being built by this industry within the state. So look to those associations and bring them as partners or ask them to be members so they can kind of make sure your members are informed on the hot topics of the day regarding um, the clean energy industries. Yeah. So uh, and I don't mean to keep going back to stuff, but this example in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> Please. Uh, so chambers are known for being conveners, right? And as I see a lot of this land, like with these wind farms we're talking about, not only are they wind farms, but they have their oil rigs that are going. They have their cattle that are grazing on the fields. And so they've got multiple streams of income using this land that's very agricultural based. And if a chamber can see, recognize these opportunities, be that convener to make some introductions, to help introduce some of these clean energy you know, capabilities onto that, that rancher or that person who has an oil rig set up or whatever it may be. I mean, we're talking things that are very, you know, hyper-focused in Texas for sure, but other parts of the country, the land may be used for something else, but it could also be used in addition to for wind or solar. So be that That's, convener, make those introductions. Yeah, no, it's a great point. Number one, yes, I've always, and, and chambers should know this and they do know this and I mean, chambers are conveners. They're the voice of business. The you know the they're the convener of the business communities and they're the, realistically for their whole community. So there is an opportunity just to talk to people about what is possible. And yeah, in Texas, you will often see wind turbines right next to oil rigs um, and maybe cattle grazing as well. Um, in Ohio, you may see a uh, solar installation where um, you know maybe five percent of a generational farm. Uh, is being utilized for solar energy along with 5% of another farm nearby them and 10% of another farm nearby them. But those uh, that 5 or 10% of the farm property is actually giving annual revenue anywhere from $100,000 to $300,000 a year to those farm owners. And in a lot of cases, it's helping keep farmland in a family name and helping them not to have to sell it off or because it's a lease arrangement. Um, or even turn some of their land into a subdivision for homes. I mean, that's that's just. And once you put homes in, that property's gone. Yeah, yeah. Um, with a solar installation, for you know, for example, in a rural farming community, uh, typically those panels will be in the ground for you know thirty to thirty-five years. But at the same time, like you say, you're farming on the rest of your property. You can still do some um, agriculture underneath the solar panels. And a lot of cases, you can still graze animals like sheep throughout um, an entire solar area. So yeah, there are lots of other ways that you can um, promote the land and utilize the land for economic or just community benefit. Right. And from the farmer perspective, I, I see, you know, there's a lot of government subsidies for farmers to either not grow a crop or to 
grow, you know, more, you know, monocropping, you know, which has its own issues. So to be able to introduce another stream of income for these farmers could really help them actually farm what they need to and want to farm versus what the government's paying them to do. And it uh, gives them a lot more freedom. Absolutely. So, and if you get farmers started on this, a lot of them are going to tell you, this is a property rights thing. If I want to put solar on my farm, I want to put solar on my farm. And they get pretty passionate about it and speak out at lots of different state houses across the country on their property rights. And it's don't get in the middle of a farmer and their property rights. I'll tell you that much right now. That's right. So for chambers that are listening, I'd, I'd like to hear maybe a, an innovative example or two where you've seen, whether it's a chamber stepping in to you know, introduce clean energy policy or just implementation of some sort. What are some of these innovative things that you've seen across the country as, as people try to you know, lean more heavily into clean energy? Yeah, there's, um, I don't know if I can go too innovative on how chambers um, participate, but I can give some really good examples of how chambers have engaged. Okay. So, um, and, and that's, it's, it's just sometimes tough because chambers are generalists for the most part, right? They need to know a lot about a lot of different industries. And so sometimes it's really hard to, to dig really far into one particular topic or subject matter. Um, but in, you know, in the case of chambers, one thing that we are always encouraged by is when we see coalitions of chambers that stand up for clean energy. Um, so we've seen it in Ohio when chambers as a collective whole uh, all stood up and spoke out against um, negative anti-renewable energy um, legislation a few years ago. Uh, in the Northeast and now in the Southeast, we're seeing a lot of rallying by chambers to support the possibility of offshore wind development um, off the coast of the East Coast. And we're beginning to see a little bit of that in the in the south, or in the in the south, and in the west, and the Gulf Coast, and um, off in the Pacific Ocean, off the coast of California and, and Oregon and Washington. Um, so we see a lot of this convening and working together. Uh, we've seen everything from uh, electric vehicle ride and drive and demonstrations uh, to clean energy industry hosted forums and conferences all around renewable energy and sustainability. Uh, we've seen um, energy tours. So in Utah, uh, where I used to live, uh, the Salt Lake Chamber had uh, a few years in a row had done energy tours where they took their members out to various energy installations. And one of them was all about clean energy, taking them to wind, uh, taking to a solar farm, et cetera, et cetera. Um, in, uh, in, you know, clean energy is sort of a broad topic, but, uh, and even just in a couple of weeks now, um, the St. Pete Chamber in Florida is doing a sustainability and resilience tour. Uh, they're gonna take some of their members down to see how, um, amongst other things, clean energy benefited certain areas to keep the lights on, uh, as well as other resilience efforts from some of the other communities that they can bring back to St. Pete to learn from so that they are a more, resi more resilient community for future storms. So lots of different ways that chambers have been engaged. Um, whether it's op-eds, whether it's events, or just, you know, fighting for good policy at a state house or the federal level. Very good. Those are all really good examples and ways that chambers can definitely get involved. Um, so this question may be coming from left field for you. And if you don't want to answer it, we can edit it out. <laughs> <But> <laughs> right. how, uh, have you seen any, uh, 
you know, integration with uh, with Bitcoin miners. I know there's been a lot of talk about the energy consumption with Bitcoin mining and then Bitcoin miners trying to make the argument with clean energy and using some of these, you know, resources to uh, offset some of those carbon emissions and whatnot. I'll be honest, you may want to edit this out. I don't know, Brandon, but um, I can give a little editorial on that. Uh, it's a it's a tough sell because it is high high energy usage. So uh, we, however, did see you know, and for a little bit in Miami, we started talking about it because the the local government in Miami was really trying hard to attract some Bitcoin industry there. But that energy usage was really tough because you know Florida can only expand so much in terms of uh, their energy development, their energy usage, et cetera. Um, and, you know, one of the selling factors was they have such a huge uh, nuclear, uh, nu as nuclear energy is such a huge part of their overall energy um, resources. And, you know, the Bitcoin, it was trying to sell that, but all of that energy was already being utilized for something else. So all of this would have just been, they would have had to develop new energy. And at that point, you've, for the most part, it's going to make sense to build solar. So I think in general, when it comes to Bitcoin, it's great. There is an opportunity there, but it should not be done trying to sell it as utilizing existing resources. I think in a lot of ways, if you are going to um, lure and try to, to get some Bitcoin manufacturing and mining going on in your communities, you really do need to look at how are we going to provide new generation to, uh, to supply that particular operation. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll we'll see what we do with that. <laughs> um, so I'd like to, to ask everyone I have on the show if there's any tips or action items that you'd be willing to share with those listening, if they wanted to maybe get involved more with clean energy in their communities or, or maybe something totally off topic, but for these chambers who want to take their organization up to the next level, what would you offer for them? Thank you. Yeah, I've got a few things. So number one, if not every chamber is engaged in advocacy, and I understand that. At the very minimum though, chambers as the voice of business and conveners in their community uh, should look to be a good source of reliable information. And much like a lot of other things in the world, there is so much misinformation put out in the world about clean energy uh, there are so many groups that are not local, yet they'll bring in people from, you know, from far away to come in and fight renewable energy projects in small communities and make it seem like this opposition is so loud. We call them NIMBY groups, so not in my backyard groups. So if nothing else, I think it's really important that chambers look to be sources of good third-party reliable expert information so that those that actually live in the community can, you know, can really look at the facts and say, we want to make a good informed decision. Uh, so that's, that's sort of number one. Another just sort of tip and maybe a tidbit that I want to throw out there. Uh, there is, you know, chambers by nature tend to really love bipartisan policy. Uh, that's sort of how we work, right? We bring people together so that we can find the common ground, what's best for the business community, what's best for an economy uh, and advocate for that. Whether it's coming from the R side or the D side, it doesn't really matter. We try to find the best possible policy for business businesses in our state. Um, 
you know, and we certainly saw a really good example of that in the bipartisan infrastructure package that was passed two years ago. Um, phenomenal. It's tw something 20 years in the making. It's something we should all be proud of in the, the chamber industry that we've all fought for it. And that's going to lead to everything from bridges and roads, but also to transmission lines for more utilities, um, for more electric vehicle charging infrastructure out there in the world as we make this transition. So there's lots of clean energy angles on that. But the tidbit that I want to share that, yeah, I, I built it up to get to it. Yeah. Um, there was, uh, you know, not a lot of chambers love the fact that the Inflation Reduction Act was passed on a partisan basis. And I understand that and I completely agree. This is the tidbit that I think is really important for people to understand. If you take away all of the other aspects of the Inflation Reduction Act and only look at the clean energy provisions within that, which, you know, amounted to about a $379 billion package, way, way less than what that quote unquote Green New Deal was being presented as uh, many, many years ago. But that particular legislation, just the clean energy provisions, almost every single major component of that policy has a history of bipartisan support. And a, and a lot of them have a proven return on investment for that type of, say, tax incentive. As a lot of people say, that Inflation Reduction Act is really carrot heavy and very stick light, meaning it's all about the incentives, trying to, you know, trying to drive innovation and spur this new aspect to our economy, um, rather than penalizing and putting out more regulatory efforts that none of us really like to see in the world. So again, just, I think it's really important that something that I've been very passionate about is saying, if you just take out those clean energy aspects, you will see that so many of them either had bipartisan support or were suggested by and promoted by Republicans versus the Democrats that voted for the package. Um, so really just go beyond the talking points of partisan and say, ah, actually there's some really great stuff in here that's proven value and has proven to be um, supported by both sides of the aisle and people all across the country. Right. Now, I appreciate you sharing the, the tips and tidbits with us there. Um, as we look to the future of chambers, and, and I see a lot of the work you're doing is future leaning, but as we look to the future of chambers, how do you see the future of chambers and their purpose going forward? I think chambers have a more important role now than they've ever had before. Uh, we've you know, been building up the chamber industry for a hundred years. Um, you know, over the last 10 years, I think they've gotten more and more influential um, really, there's so much within the industry that's really looking to lift up chambers, whether it's a rural chamber, a state chamber, a regional chamber, uh, whatever it may be. Um, but I think now is maybe more important a time than ever because there is so much that, at least that I see, legislation that um, tends to move from state to state and state house to state house. And so it's an opportunity not only to really stand up for your business community and um, those things in your state or your region that you see as important to your quality of life, um, but it's, you know, it's really this chance to look and say, hey, what's happening over in this state? And is that going to come to my state? Because chances are these days it is. And I bring up things in, in my own mind when I say this, but uh, things like uh, uh, DEI policies. So, you know, something that the chamber world has been super passionate about and very uh, much engaged in terms of advocating for more DEI within their communities, within their businesses, and building up certification programs around DEI. Uh, yet, 
in a lot of states, we're starting to see anti from various administrations and now maybe state houses of the legislature, we're starting to see sort of pushback on that DEI work. And it's, you know, this isn't even in the world of clean energy for me, but it's really important to chambers. And therefore it's sort of, that's just a good example of things to look for that you can learn from other states, what they've already gone through and say, hey, is there a good chance that's gonna come to my state? And how do I either fight it off or engage it depending upon what the policy might be? How do we best represent the business community rather than being caught off guard? Um, let's make sure that we've got our best arguments up front and ready to go uh, to help be, you know, again, that longtime voice of business for our community and represent our members the best we can. I love that perspective. And that's really one of the greatest opportunities of living in the United States is you're able to look at other states and the models that they do and, you know, being these individual laboratories and saying, this is what worked well there and this is didn't, you know, and as we apply it in our communities and our state, this is why it could be good or why it would be a disaster and, and really be able to, to make a good argument based on facts and data. So I think that's a great perspective. Well, Ryan, this has been a, for me at least, it's been a fun conversation. It's been a, an eye-opening conversation, I'm sure for many, but for any listeners who wanted to reach out and connect with you to learn more about what the Chambers of Innovation and Clean Energy can do and, and how you can maybe work with them, what would be the best way for them to reach out and connect? Uh, hit our website, which is chambersforinnovation.com. Uh, feel free to email me directly. My email is revans, R-E-V-A-N-S, at chambersforinnovation.com. Uh, more than happy to chat with anyone, whether it's just a question, you want to do more, uh, you've got something that you're just not sure about, whatever the case, the issue may be. And again, this can be anything from electric vehicles and electric vehicle charging to offshore wind supply chain to solar and wind, whatever it is. If, if we don't know the answer within our team, uh, we certainly can point you in the right direction to some some great experts out there in the world that uh, can be um, a really good use and resource for you. That's awesome. Well, I will get that in our show notes for this episode as well, so people can pull that up and, and get in contact with you. But it's been great to to have you on the podcast, Ryan. I appreciate you setting aside some time and, and to uh, share some of these insights with the chamber champions that listen and to really help sharpen their focus on why a focus on clean energy in their communities is important. So thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Brandon. I appreciate it. If you are a chamber professional, please subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. When you subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast, new episodes will show up in your podcast app each week as they are released. If you're finding value in this podcast, please leave us a rating and a review in iTunes. But most importantly, please share Chamber Chat Podcast with your colleagues that are in the industry. Have you ever thought about creating a podcast for your chamber? We always hear about how chambers need to be storytellers. What better way is there to tell the stories of your members and the work of your chamber than through a podcast? Your audience is waiting to hear from you as a convener of leaders and influencers, champion for business, and catalyst for change within your community. I just launched a Chamber Podcast course with the goal to get your very own podcast started within 30 days. Visit chamberchatpodcast.com pivot to learn more and to enroll in the Chamber Podcast course today.